between 14,000 and 18,000 people are trafficked into the U.S. alone each year. The average age for girls to enter the sex trade in the U.S. is 12 to 16 years of age. The average victim is trafficked for roughly three years before, before attaining the attention of law enforcement. Homeless and foster youth are at the greatest risk for recruitment. A predator. You can't laugh. Between 14,000 and 18,000 people are trafficked into the U.S. alone each year. The average age for girls to enter the sex trade in the U.S. is 12 to 16 years of age. The average victim is trafficked for roughly three years before, before attaining the attention of law enforcement. Homeless and foster youth are at the greatest risk for recruitment. A predator can be anyone. Welcome, listeners, to Speaking Truth with your host, Matthew Manessis. In today's podcast, I would like to bring to mind the reality of predators and the dangers they present within our communities. Every day, someone, black, Asian, white, brown, young, old, gay, straight, bi, male, female, suffers by the hands of predators, sucked into the life of a victim that is given a choiceless life and must live with the result. Cases of a modern slavery present themselves in all corner, corners of the earth and closer to home than some ever dare to believe. Today I will be sharing a fictional story of a young girl who has suffered through the traumatic experience of sexual exploitation, abduction, human trafficking, and rape. I hope through this experience you will see a better understand you will see and better understand the seriousness of these crimes and the precautions that must be taken to avoid this to continue. The Missing Case of Casey Turnwell May 27, 2006, 7 a.m. Casey Turnwell, a 17-year-old student, rose out, of rose out of her bed to the warming sun seeping through her window. She yawned and extended her arms like a cat basking in the sun. Outside, the morning traffic could be heard. Rubber pulled at concrete, coffee brewed up from local bistros, and time seemed pleasant. For a typical Monday morning, life was rather easy going. The world had taken a moment to indulge in the wonders and comfort in life, and those who lived it. Casey tiptoed over a heap of clothes that lay scattered across the floor, and reached for her towel that hung from the bedroom door. She walked down the hall to the bedroom, feeling the soft touch of the, of the hall carpet beneath her feet. At 7.06, Casey turned the shower faucet 160 degrees counterclockwise, then pulled the curtain closed. As the room filled with steam, Casey removed her pajamas and tank top. She glanced into the mirror as she, was, as she reached for her toothbrush and paused. Squinting through the steam, she said, What were you thinking? You don't even know him. 7.30 a.m. Casey walked down the stairs to the smell of fresh coffee and bacon. She glanced into the kitchen and saw her foster father, Mike, Mike Crawford, sipping hot, hot coffee. Ah, morning, Casey, he smiled, 
and raised his mug. Morning, Mike. How's English? Still squeezing by? He teased. Yeah, pretty much. Just remember, I'm here if you need me. Yeah, yeah, I know. She brushed past him and snatched a slice of bacon on her way out the door. See you later, she called as she hurried out. Her shirt hurried from the hurried down the front steps and onto the sidewalk. The street was moderately busy with the rustle of rapid footsteps and the bustle of busy streetcars. Casey could hear Mr. and Mrs. Felcher having their routinely arguments and the neighborhood boys fighting over who had the best Transformers action figure. She continued to walk down the street and let her eyes fall down to observe her footsteps. 27 steps, pause, 15 steps, make a right, 53 steps, turn left, 107 steps. Casey often found herself counting and making note of the most meticulous things when she got nervous. Suddenly, she felt the buzz buzz of her phone go off in her jean pocket. She, insti she instinctively pulled out her phone and glanced on at the screen. It read, Hey you, we still on for tonight? <laughs> Casey glanced at her phone for a little while before replying, I'm not sure I'm into the idea of us meeting anymore. I mean, I don't really know you. She immediately received another text message. Hey, I'm harmless. Trust me. Just let's sit down and chat and chat with me for a little while. Casey reluctantly replied in agreement to the date and planned for a 4 o'clock p.m. meet-up meet at the local library. The rest of her day was a haze and went by like any other typical Monday. Lone lunches, lazy small talk with her with her fellow classmates, and half-assed efforts in her class. By the end of the day, Casey felt like she could she could go cra she would go crazy if she had to bear the anticipation of meeting this mystery man from Facebook. By the time four o'clock rolled around, Casey had already vomited twice due to her anxiousness. Her she glanced up at the she glanced up from the library bathroom sink and gazed disappointingly at herself into the mirror. She wanted to go she wanted to get out of the building, out of the scenario, out of this position she put herself in. She held back year, she she held back tears that threatened to expose themselves. She slung her backpack over her shoulder and headed for the exit. Almost immediately she recognized a familiar face. An older man, maybe about 29 years old, approached her from the other side of the library. He wore a bright smile and had a slim, athletic build. He took, he took Casey by surprise with his good-looking hair, well-dressed appearance, and defined facial features. Nothing, nothing that his online profile could ever capture, could ever fully capture and rightfully display for people to see. Hey, Casey, is it? Yes, she replied gingerly, wiping the smudged mascara off her face as she recognizes the man to be Steve Hickens, Facebook man. I must say, you're much more beautiful in person, he flirts. Casey smiles. As the evening drags on, Casey begins to open up and feel more comfortable with Steve, as more and more people begin to disperse out of the library. After what felt like only a few short hours, Casey glanced at her watch and realized it was far past her curfew of 9.30. I'm so sorry, Steve, but I have to get home. I have a test tomorrow, and I need to get some rest. She began to stand up and start packing her bag when Steve proposed, Why don't I just drive you home? Casey turned to him. You wouldn't mind? Ah, not at all. 
Just gotta clear out the clear out the front seat and we're good to go. The two headed out to his car, which was parked at the far end of the parking lot, where the street light hardly touched. As Steve moved scattered receipts and other garbage to the trunk, he turned and asked Casey, Hey, do you have a job? No, she replied. Oh, well, if you're interested, I could set you up with one. He continued to clean up his front seat and then swung the back door open. It's perfectly safe, and you'd be getting a decent pay. Casey leaned forward, enticed by the proposition. She asked, Oh, what's this job? Steve turned to face her and explained how it's a service job, meaning she would have to sexually service a number of his clients, and in turn, they would pay her. The world felt cold. The streetlight dimmed. All Casey could remember was the subtle hint of a smile on Steve's face when she expressed her disgust towards the idea and that she would never partake in a profession that, like that because shortly after, her breath was stifled by a liquid spray that knocked her out within seconds of the attack. subtle pulse, a damp cloth, clammy hands, a single flickering light, an internal ache, an exchange of cash, the rhythmic grunts. People stood, staring, one, two, Three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight figures loomed above, like demons determining, determining, a pro determining a proper death sentence for one's horrible sins, horrible sins that led you here, here to this dark, cold room, cold room that doesn't feel like home anymore. This isn't home. This can't be home. Casey's eyelids fluttered open. Her back and butt were sore. Sore from what? She looked around and saw she was in a single room, 10 by 11 feet. The ceilings were low, cracked around the middle with wet marks from leakage above. Ripped beige old-fashioned wallpaper covered the concrete walls, concealing the dull character that the room held. Jutting out from the center of the room, a single bulb dimly lit the area. A door, a door. Wooden with large metal hinges loomed in the corner, like, sh like the shadow of death awaiting its next victim. Casey felt a throbbing pain in her head as she brought her hands to her head and heard a clang. As she brought her hands up to her head, she, she heard a clang. She looked down and noticed a cold, the cold metal chain that ran from the wall opposite uh, to the door to her wrists that were linked to the to the chain by zip ties. Fresh blood ran down her wrists from the tightly zipped plastic ties covering them with, red, with a reddish lubricant that festively decorated the sheets of the bed that Casey sat on. The floor was carpeted with a tough, thin fabric, and a low rumble of a, of a water softener could be heard beyond the wooden door. Tears began to swell up behind Casey's eyes as she felt a wave of guilt wash over her. 
How could she be so stupid? So naive to let her guard down and trust a complete stranger. Suddenly, the sound of approaching footsteps could be heard from behind the door, along with a humming and then followed by the rattle of keys. Moments later, Steve came through the doorway, holding a half-eaten sandwich and smiling like a happy camper on July 4th in America. Hey, Casey, how are you feeling? He said with a wide grin. But Casey didn't say a word. She couldn't believe what had happened to her the, the past, these past couple of days. Sensing this, Steve decided to enlighten her on her current situation. I'm sure you're confused with what's going on and, <clears throat> and why you're here, right? Silence. Well, I've decided, uh, actually it was quite a while ago that, I've that I decided this, but no matter. I chose you to help me make some money. I attain clients who require your services, and in return, they pay me. Now, I was willing to give you the option, but you decided you'd rather be difficult, so I had no choice. You see, you're mine now. So, for the next while, you must deliver and service me until you make, until you make enough money to pay back your debt. Casey leans, leaps out, uh, leaps out of the bed in an attempt to charge Steve, but immediately collapses due to the fatigue and pain from her lower region. Escape, escape is futile, Casey. Better eat up and to regain your strength. Our next client is coming in 15 minutes. Wouldn't want to disappoint now, would we? Tossing her the half-eaten sandwich, he exits the room, locking the door behind him. No escape. No hope. No life. After three years of living the lifestyle of a modern slave, Casey has given up all hope in getting her old life back. However, after all this time, the two become more easygoing with, with, each, with each other, and on May 29, 2009, Steve asks Casey to clean out his car. Casey follows the path she's maintained for three whole years of her life and does what she's told. However, while, while cleaning in the garage, she notices a torque wrench lying around on a nearby workbench. Grabbing it with two hands by the handle, Casey sneaks up behind Steve, the same man that approached her and appeared to be just another nice guy, the same man that casually messaged her online and, and fished her into a vul vulnerable place where he took control of her. She swings and makes a crunching connection with, of the torque wrench to his skull just above his right ear. Steve's body goes limp, and he drops the keys to the locked garage door. Casey grabs him and runs towards the locked door. Leaving no time to waste, she runs away from the house as fast as she can. Casey is finally given the chance to get her life back. However impossible that may be, she at least has a chance to change her life around and make it mean something. She's free from him. But the tragic truth is that unfortunately, she'll never be free from herself and what she has to live with for the rest of her life. The end. The world isn't perfect. Evil, lie, evil lives within some of the most trusting, unlikely of people, and can fool anyone. Do not let your life be thrown away by some horrible person. Thanks for tuning in and listening to Speaking Truth with me, your host, Matthew Manessis. Just remember, stay safe, stay smart, and look out for one another.